thinking that's contrary to what God's Word says, that's also impregnated with hopelessness. I'll never be able to accomplish anything. How many of you ever thought that way about yourself? Okay, I did. It was a stronghold. I had to kill it. I had to tear it down. How? With the truth of the Word. I want to start a series tonight on tearing down strongholds. So I'm starting a series tonight on tearing down strongholds. And in the series, I'm going to deal with specific strongholds that I see in America, specific strongholds that I see in Alaska, and just generally strongholds that people have lies that people have in their lives so that we can tear them down. How many of you think that would be a good idea? All right, and then Tuesday night, everybody say Tuesday night. Reverend Barry Haggard, he's going to be preaching on Tuesday night. He's got a word from the Lord. He's pastored for many, many years. And uh, he's just feeling feel like he's got a word from God. So he's going to preach on Tuesday night, all right? All right, and it's going to be great. We'll, we'll leave the youth down here again on Tuesday night. And it's going to be tremendous. You all there, Daniel 4, starting a new series. Well, it's really message two. Tearing down strongholds was the first one. This is tearing down strongholds. The stronghold of pride. Are you ready? Oh, close and lock the doors. Hallelujah. Here we go. Daniel chapter 4. Thank you, Mike. Daniel chapter 4. Go to verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof in the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven This is what was decreed for you. Nebuchadnezzar, your royal authority has been taken from you. You'll be driven away from the people and you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by until you have acknowledged that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone He wishes. Immediately, What had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from his people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like claws of a bird. And at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the power of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne, and I became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything He does is right. And all His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He's able 
to humble. Whoa. Hallelujah. Brace yourself. Jesus, thank You for what You're going to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. How do you define pride? How do you define pride? I think one of the problems is is defining pride is kind of a hard thing to do, really. In fact, you can become proud that you're humble. Come on, who's the most humble person here? See? There's synonyms in Scripture that help us see clear what pride is. Here's some of them. Arrogance. Presumption. Conceit. Vanity. Selfishness. Self-satisfaction. I want you to turn to the Proverbs, please. If you would. And in the Proverbs, we find much about pride. Turn to Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8 and verse 13 reads, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Turn to Proverbs 10. Pardon me, Proverbs 16. And find verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The word there in Proverbs 16, 18 is ga'an in Hebrew. Everybody say ga'an. Ga'an. What does that mean? It means swelling excellence. That's what it means in Hebrew. Pride goes before destruction. Swelling excellence. It's when you're so caught up with being excellent, you swell. The very word is used in Scripture. Pride goes before destruction. Gobah is the next Hebrew word in that text there in Proverbs 18, meaning haughty. Gobah, the next word, haughty, is tied to atheism. Turn to Psalm 10. Watch this. Turn to Psalm 10. Gobah, or haughty, is tied to atheism. When somebody has a haughty spirit, it's, it's, it's their, they're declaring their independence from God. Look at, look at Psalm 10, verse 4. In his pride, it's the same word, Gobath, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. Literally, when a person gets so self-consumed or haughty, so self-consumed, they actually become a God unto their own selves. Pride. Pride is at the core of our fallen selves. You're going to deal with it. I have to deal with mine. You have to deal with yours. I think part of the difficulty is that pride's kind of like bad breath. You're usually the last person to know you have it. The uniqueness. You see, our Judeo-Christian, the Judeo-Christian revelation It's a unique thing that pride is actually a... a, It's one of the worst sins there is. Pride. But it's unique to the Judeo-Christian revelation. Christian, Jewish, Judeo-Christian, or or Jewish-Christian revelation, which, which is really the cornerstone of our Western culture, or has been. It's kind of changing, but I believe there's a great shift that'll happen. There'll be a massive revival to overturn all of that. Amen. 
What, what do you mean by that? You see, in a Greek mind, in a Greek mindset, pride was the thing that you should be. You should be proud. Not so, according to Scripture. The whole concept of rarete in, in, in the Greek mindset. I am the greatest. People are even criticized when they're not forward enough. You know, meekness is not a quality that's really looked at as, as a strength. But in Scripture it is, meekness. We actually have... I won't ask you to raise your hand, but for me, I, in my life, I've been a part of a number of different multi-level marketing ideas. And, uh, and I always had a problem with them because no, I think multi-level marketing can be great. I think God can really use that to bless you. However, for me, it's totally impossible for me to do. Now, no, and there's no doubt about it. Had the Lord called me to it and allowed me to do it, I'd, I'd be making gazillions in multi-level marketing. There's no doubt. No doubt about it. Because God's favor's on me, so I can't help myself everywhere I go. I'm blessed. Don't get mad at me. Just, just love, the, love, love God, serve Him, obey His Word, and you can walk in blessing too. And I'm going to do that the rest of my life, so help me God. Amen. But I could never do multi-level marketing simply because I felt like I was trying to sell something when really, and try to get to know somebody and build a relationship so I could get them involved in my downline. But really, God's given me the gift to be able to do that so I can get them saved and into heaven, which has nothing to do with buying toilet paper, Amway, or anything else. However, I made a number of efforts selling magnets, doing different things, to try to, to, try to make extra money. And, and it, I just... I'm just, I'm done with it now. But what I found was, as you move up in these levels, they require you, as, as part of the moving forward, to, to go into these business seminars. And these business seminars really teach you to be filled with pride. That's what they did. They're seminars on pride. They're, 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 they're masked to, you know, to try to... You know, it's just crazy. And people pay thousands of dollars to take seminars to find out that you're the greatest. I got news for you. You're not. And that's not even scriptural. Now, the great one lives on the inside of you, but you ain't him. Okay, praise the Lord. 1 Timothy 3, verse 6, talking about raising up leaders, gives the requirements for an overseer. Oh, we should just read this. It's so good. Verse 2, I can't help myself. Now, an overseer must be above reproach. Husband of what? But one wife. Temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not given to drunkenness. Not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well. And see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Whoa. So I told my kids, you guys got to do it right or I'm stepping down. They're doing great. I'm very proud of them. Verse 6. He must not be a recent convert, watch this, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Turn to Isaiah 14. Turn to Isaiah 14. You see, what, what caused the devil to be cast down? Pride, baby, pride. Pride. This is talking about if you elevate somebody quickly, there can be a danger. 
because they can fall the same way that Satan did. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. I'm teaching tonight. I might get excited and start preaching, but I'm teaching you about tearing down a stronghold of pride. Pride. Arrogance. Conceit. Say, well, I don't have any of that. Oh, yes, you do. Isaiah 14, verse 12, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the ears. Do you who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will Look how many eyes are in here. I, I, I. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds. I'll make myself like the most high. Verse 15, in that same thought, but you have been brought down to the grave into the depths of the pit. Pride was the root of Satan's rebellion. And if you look in Genesis 3, if we just sort of give you an overview, and then we're going to look at Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm not just going to leave you hanging there, I'm going to tell you how to deal with pride. I'm going to teach you how to tear down a stronghold of pride in your life. You were like, I, I wanted to hear something else tonight. Well, I'll try to put some sugar on it. It's going to help you. Come on, if you got, come on, if you got a problem with pride, how many of you know you ought to deal with it? Amen. Genesis three. Satan comes and tempts Eve, and what he does is he appeals to her pride. If you eat the fruit, then you'll become like the Most High. Which is kind of ironic and stupid because she's made in the image of God already. She's already like God. So was Adam. They had dominion. They had authority. If you missed this morning's message, you missed one. You need to get this morning's word. You go on the podcast. There's podcasting. It's been uploaded already. You go to kcalaska.com. Go to podcast on our, our very simple website that we do ourselves. Thankful for Tim. He runs that for us from Delta. Go to the podcast. You click it. How many of you have iTunes on your computer? It'll just start loading it and you can catch these messages. All right? Don't miss this morning's message. It was a good one. Satan appealed to Eve's pride and she ends up falling. Pride's at the core of, our, of, of human nature and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be rooted out. You don't have to teach a kid how to have pride. Come on, if ever you raise babies or kids, they, they, they just have it. So God judges here in the text of Daniel 4. God judges Nebuchadnezzar for his prize. First of all, he warns him in a dream. He warns him in a dream. He has this dream. In Daniel, I believe it's Daniel 2. Has this dream. And he says to all of the wise men, the Chaldeans, including Daniel and his brothers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says to all of them, I had this dream. Can you imagine this? Imagine this. I had this dream, says Nebuchadnezzar. And I do not know what its meaning is. Now all of you have to tell me what the dream is. I'm paraphrasing. Tell me my dream and tell me the meaning. And if you can't do it, you're all going to die. That's what Nebuchadnezzar says. What a deal. Can I just hear the dream? No, you can't. He says, no, no, they say, no, you can't hear it, because if I tell you the dream, then you'll make up some lie. And have, this is what Scripture says. I'm paraphrasing. It's the Bracken version. So they're all freaked out. Daniel goes back and he prays. 
And he prays that. He asks for some time. He prays that night with his friends. He prays. God shows him the dream, gives him the interpretation. He shows up to Nebuchadnezzar and he tells him the dream and he gives the interpretation. And Daniel is elevated. And this is now chapter 4. And Nebuchadnezzar forgot all about the interpretation. He makes this, he makes this, he makes this statue of himself. And in this moment here where judgment falls on him, look at verse 30 and 31 of Daniel 4. You all there in Daniel? Turn back. Turn back. Did you bring your Bible? Did you memorize it already? Did you memorize? Wow. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. You guys memorized the word, the whole thing. All right. That's my hint of bring the Bible to church. Bring it. Get, get, get used to carrying it. Bring it. I don't put scriptures up on purpose. I know you've seen scriptures blasted across on a beautiful screen with nice waves and wind and birds going across and stuff, and that's cool. I like that. The only problem is I don't do that simply because if you don't, most, many of you don't even know where the book of Daniel is. Okay, praise God. I want you to learn your word. I want you to, I want you to get a Bible, read it. You say, well, I have it electronically. Good, I think that can work. So get your phone out and open up. Daniel 4, verse 30. He said, Is not this great Babylon I have built as a royal residence? He starts declaring his pride about how great he is. By my mighty power, for the glory of my majesty. Verse 31. The words were still on his lips, and a voice came from heaven and and brought the, the judgment. The dream was a warning. Judgment comes on him. He's saying, look, I'm the greatest for all that I've done. So he loses his mind for seven years. He was isolated from people. (laughs) If you don't deal with your pride, you will be isolated from people. You won't have friends. People won't like hanging out with you. Because nobody likes hanging out with somebody who just thinks this shit's too big for their britches. Nobody wants to be around somebody that talks about themselves all the time. It's irritating. Come on, Crystal, say amen. If you find yourself talking and there's a lot of eyes in it, pride. Thought you were getting touched by God back there, but I think you were catching a mosquito. Hallelujah. Judgment comes to him. Loses his mind for seven years. He ends up isolated, and so will you. Finally, in verse 34, it says, At the end of that time, you all there, Daniel 4, chapter, 30, chapter 4, verse 34, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. My sanity was restored. It's interesting that the moment that he raised his eyes, his sanity was restored. Sanity is restored when he prays and honored and glorified the Most High God. You know the one who you're supposed to thank for all the blessings in your life? God. You know who you should thank for, for, for divine health? God. You know who you should thank for the great job and lots of money that you make? God. You know who you should thank for all the good and perfect gifts that have come down from the Father of heaven and the lights? God. God's the author of every good thing. If it's good in your life, God is the author of it. If it's bad, well, you know, you could blame the devil, but I've often found that it's been my own foolish choices that got me in, in binds. 
His sanity is restored when he prays and honored God. And, and God will humble those who walk in pride. God will humble you. You know, one of my least favorite things is being humbled in the pulpit. Don't like it too much. Let me tell you a story. Oh, this is bad. This is, this is rough, man. Okay, I was in this production that we were doing at the church many, many years ago. And uh, it was called Closing the Forbidden Door. Actually, we've done it here. And I played, the, I played the part of the young man who gets set free. And there's this, there's this scene. It's, it's like this grand finale scene. And I walk out. I share my testimony. And I come to this part in the platform. And the lights are dimmed. And all of these pretend demons come and they grab my hands. And I sing this song. It's by Michael Card. Powerful. He holds the key. Some of you might have heard it. It's an older song. He holds the key. However, Michael Card sang it, and I lip-synced. But let me tell you how many times I listened to that song. 150 times? I, I sang it in my car. I sang it at home. And, and I could lip-sync that thing really, really, really good. Okay? I mean, I had it down. I was like... He holds the key. I'm going to sing in this thing. And I would sing under my breath. So it looked like, I mean, you can, when somebody's really singing, you see veins popping in their neck. I don't know if you guys know about that kind of thing. When somebody's really singing out. You can tell they're really singing. So I would really sing, but the monitors were loud, and I wouldn't sing super loud. But with all my heart, I would sing this song. Now, we did it like four nights. People getting saved, devils being broken off. I mean, awesome. Every night. <laughs> it's crazy. Every night, I'd have somebody come up to me and say, Oh my God, you've got an amazing voice. Well, thanks. I mean, I just, I mean, I've known you for years. I just never heard you. God, you just sound just like that guy. I go, Well, you know, you know. And this went on. I, I'll never forget. Here's what, here's what happened. Where's my sound guy? You'll love this. It's great. So there we are. It's like, Full, 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 full house. We're talking a thousand plus people. Packed. It's probably like 50 people, but it seemed like a thousand. No, it really was quite a few people. And there they are. The demons come. And I start singing. He holds the key. And I'm all, oh, right? And, and I'm singing with all my heart. And the sound guy hip checks the CD player. Now, we didn't have MP3s. They had CDs, though. No A-track back then. Anyway, the CD skips and stops, and there I am. I mean, because I was singing, right? So if you're in the first part of the church, part of the church, you could hear my voice crackling and all messed up. And so I didn't know what else to do. It never started, so I kept singing. And I was totally exposed for the fraudulent voice that I was. And Pastor Chris says, who was our music music worship leader back then. He says, stop, stop, <laughs> start over, start the CD over. And I thought, I've been humbled. God knows how to humble you. That is one of countless stories I could tell you. Because when you have pride, God's concerned about it because it'll destroy you. 
One of the first times, I'll tell you one more, and then we'll talk about how to handle pride, and I'll close. I like stories. You guys like stories? Jesus told stories. Here's another one. So I was an up-and-coming preacher in our church, and um, Dr. Morocco asked me to preach a message to the men. So it was this men's meeting. Man, I, it was my first shot at being able to preach in front of Dr. Morocco and a crowd bigger than my life group. I had life groups, and my life groups grew, and it was great. But I never really had an opportunity. I preached to cows, man. I started preaching to cows in Hana. I would walk. I would, God said, preach the gospel to all creation. I literally would preach to cows, and I'm convinced one of them raised a hoof once. I'd preach to cows. I'd preach to birds. I would preach in the dark. I just, I, you know, if God's called you to preach and teach and minister, you can't, well, I have dreams of it. I have dreams about jumping up on Fred Meyer on top, of the, on top of the belt where the food comes and goes, everybody, listen to me, and tell them about the love of God. I, I just dream that way. I always have since I got saved. And so, I've got my first shot to preach to doctor, who is like major hero of mine and my spiritual father. I really want to make him proud. And the fact is, how many of you ever played Little League Baseball? I want to crush that thing over the fence so bad. I just want to break the cover off the ball and watch the string go over, you know, like Casey at bat. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And just be like, yeah, I crushed it. So I fast, I pray, and man, I get a word from God. I get this smoking word about Yaquin and Boaz and the two pillars of Solomon's temple. I mean, it's this word that just, I'm getting touched thinking about that. I mean, it, it, was, it was a strong word. And so I, God comes on me. I preached like better than I ever have in my life, for sure, maybe even to date. I don't know. I mean, I felt the fire of God. Ah, it was awesome. At the end of that, first of all, Dr. Morocco just sat there. I think he lifted his hands a couple times. I watched him writing notes a little bit. I thought, yeah, I've got it. At the end, I went to back to his office to, you know, find out that he was going to make, the, make me the next senior associate or something. And I went to his office, and I knocked on the door, and the door opened. And he said, oh, come in. I stuck my head in. That's all. And he's just looking at me under his glasses. He says, what do you need? And I'm waiting for, like, oh, Daniel. Let me get the wreath of excellence, and you please take my desk. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm ready for something like that. And really what it was, was I had no approval really from my father. I did, but I couldn't receive it because I had a broken place in me. So I was really looking for that. And God healed me of that, uh, that man-pleasing thing. But I had pride. And he looked at me, and I said, well, I just wanted to stop in to see you after. He says, oh. So he's just looking at me. I'm looking at him. I'm waiting. Nothing happens. I go, okay then, uh, Doc. He goes, okay, see ya. Close the door, please. I close the door and I walked away. <laughs> I felt like this big. And I realized, man, I, I just, I got a pride problem. The Lord helps me right then and said, son, did you do what I told you to do? I said, well, mostly, except for the rest of that junk. He said, did you preach what I told you? Yes, I did. He said, you always be, just, just look for my approval, son. Don't, don't look for anything else. And, and, and then he said, well done, and be healed. How to deal with pride. Are you ready? If you've got something to write with, write this down. This is good. Write this down. How to deal with pride. First of all, commit yourself to honor and edify others. 
Hebrews 13.7 says, Give honor where honor is due. The problem is, is that many people think that they're called of God to correct everybody else. <laughs> Wrong! You're not called of God to correct everybody. I want to humble that husband of mine. I'm going to tell him, look, God knows how to humble your husband. God knows how to humble your wife. God knows how. People have a tendency to boast in themselves. You know, Ephesians 4, turn there, Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Don't let anything come out of your mouth except that which builds others up. Not you, others. Not you, others. Proverbs 27, 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else, not your own lips. Pride's a personal thing. We need to commit ourselves to honor and edify other people. Don't blow your own horn. Ever. Don't do it. Don't. Let God blow your horn for you. Philippians. Make my joy compete. Verse chapter 2. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit, one purpose. The first way to deal with pride in your own life is take an interest in others. Building them up and strengthening them. I'm going to say it again. The first way to deal with pride is take an interest in other people. Stop being so self-focused. Lift your eyes and look and look and see. Every time you talk with somebody, look for an opportunity to how to build them up and bless them. Not about, not about the thing that you did. Not about the great deed that you did. Not about the big vision that you had. Not about all any of that. Look to somebody and see how you can build them up. My wife is one of the great encouragers. I hear her talk to people. I mean, I, if you listen to people, you can tell whether they're stuck on them or whether they're really walking close with God. Because you can hear what comes out of their mouth. If it's like, well, I, 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 then they're stuck on themselves. One of the things I love about my wife, and since she's in the back taking care of some church stuff, I'll brag on Because we wouldn't want her to get her prideful and everything. She usually says when she talks to somebody, how are you doing, you great woman of God? You know, you encouraged. You're such a blessing. She's always speaking life. Speak life to people. And to those who refresh, they themselves will be refreshed. So don't you worry about being refreshed. You'll find, look, seed sowing. Sow seeds, sow words of edifying and building people up and blessing somebody. And you'll find what will begin to happen is that God will begin to raise other people up to encourage you. We all need to be encouraged. There's no doubt about that. So the first thing how to handle pride is commit yourself to honor and edify others. Be committed to honor other people. Be committed to edify and lift them up and bless them. 1 Corinthians 13. You ought to memorize that. Go ahead. You can turn there. 1 Corinthians 13. The second thing of how to handle pride, first being commit yourself to honor and edify people. Secondly, and I'm almost done, hang in there. Secondly, truly love people. I was given a great compliment this morning. And uh, I was so blessed by it. And I, I, I pray that God would help me to do it even more. But they said, you know, I, I was here a year ago, and you've gotten better. You preached better than a year ago. I thought, well, that's good. Praise God. And they said, but I could, hear, I could hear and feel your love for the people. 
And I thought, wow, that's a, that's, I, I couldn't be paid a better compliment than that. And I, may God help me love even deeper and more. Amen. For all of us, right? Because sometimes you can get in ministry and begin to hate people. Oh, yeah. Well, how could you hate people? Well, you just get backstabbed about 50 times, and then you just start, you know, looking around, and, oh, hey, watch out. feel like you're walking in the street or something. Not here. Not here. I, I feel honored and I feel blessed by you. I'm not saying that about this place at all. But that can happen. It can happen. Truly love others. Love is not proud. We ought to just fry. Should we fry together? Take your Bibles or your cell phone or repent and bring your Bible next week. 1 Corinthians. Oh, this is going to hurt. Right here. I can feel it right now. Here it comes. Brace yourself. Oh, God. You want to tell me you're loving? You think you're loving? Here you go. Match it up to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. This is starting in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh! Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Want to know what love is? That's what love is. It defines love. How do we know what love is? That one man laid down his life for another. Jesus is the definition of love. God is love. You want to overcome pride. The first thing is be committed to honor and edify others. The second is learn to truly love. Don't tell me you love somebody with all your heart and you just demand that they do things your way. That is not love. Love is not rude. Love is not jealous. Love is not prideful. Love doesn't boast. Those doesn't excited when your enemy gets crushed. That's not love. That's not where we're from. We're not from that. We're from God, who's kind and patient, gentle, long-suffering. Love. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your children. Love other people. The love that we talk of in the world is not love, it's really lust. I love you. <laughs> and you'll wait. And you'll live right. You'll act like it. You want to know when you can really express love to somebody when it is the stinking last thing you want to do. When you want to backhand them, slap them, and give them the fivefold, that's when you can really express the love of God. That's real worship, baby, right there. When you can't feel any whisper of His presence at all, you just can't believe what this person has just done, and you stand there and you're able to forgive them and release them from your torture that you'd like to inflict upon their very soul. Love. Glad you guys are getting encouraged tonight. Let's look at the third thing. How to, how to handle pride. One, be committed to 
to honor and edify people. Two, truly love. Truly love. Not lust. Truly love people. And three, keep in mind that everything you have, baby, every single thing you got is a gift. Everything you have is a gift. So you start thanking Him. Start thanking Him. Everything you have is a gift. Look, here's Crystal's shoe. This is a gift. God allowed you to have it. Allowed you to make the money. Allowed you to even... It's nice even. Ooh, it's a nice shoe. It's a gift. The hair that you have is a gift. Or the lack thereof. And all the bold guys said, Amen. Everything you have is a gift. Every single thing. And we take it for granted. We just think that we just, oh, we just, I should have that. That's mine. No, no, no. Go ahead. Take a deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. Let it out. Ready to try again? Air. Now, you didn't invent that. You wouldn't even know how to make it. And God sustains you with it. It's a gift. Your heart beating within your chest, which could stop five minutes from now. Five minutes from now, you could drop dead. God forbid that would happen, but the truth is, who sustains your heart? God. Who allows you to, who allows you to live and breathe and be alive at this time? Even give you, you start realizing that He's even the one that's given you a desire for you to love Him. Ha <laughs> ha! You think, oh, I was looking for God. I was hungry for Him. He was looking for you before. Come on, why you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Everything's a gift. That ought to help you. So if you have the gift to make money, start thanking God and use it for the glory of God. If you have the gift to be able to communicate, communicate for the glory of God and realize it's a gift. And He could take it. That gift could leave you. You're not faithful with the gifts that God's given you. He'll take them from you and give them to me. No, that's a scriptural thing. If you're faithful and little, He'll make you ruler over much. But if you don't take care of the giftings that He's given you, you could end up not having them. And He'll get... Look, I didn't have hardly any gifts when I came into this thing. I was partially brain damaged. Everything is a gift. Everything. That'll help you keep things in check. Think that you're all that? Look at Romans 12, verse 3. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God's given you. God has given me a grace to communicate. I can talk. I can put ideas together. It's a grace that's been given to me. I'm thankful for it. I can't play piano like Heidi. That's a grace, a gift. Maybe if I practiced and I believed God, had people lay hands on me, maybe I could. See, some of you just want it handed to you. I wish, I wish, I've said it before, you don't need a wishbone, you need backbone. You don't learn to play like Heidi or like, uh, like our anointed worship leader. What's his name? Micah, thank you. <laughs> or sing like Barry. Have do children's ministry and like you do or cut hair. Come on. Huh? Did you could just learn how to cut hair last week? Heck no. Went to school. How many heads have you put scissors on? Can't even count them. 
Some people just think they're just going to wisp in and just and just make this beautiful hair thing. It's an art. Casey, you do a great job. Right? Everything that you have is a gift, people. Your ability to work hard is a gift. So stop complaining. <laughs> We're talking about how to deal with pride. The first thing is what? Commit to honor others and edify people. The second thing is truly love. The third thing is keep in mind it's all a gift, so thank God. The fourth thing is stop comparing yourself with others. Stop complaining and stop comparing yourself with others. It's interesting to me that if you're better, watch this now, if you're better than somebody else, you have a tendency to think that you're, you're superior or you feel superior. None of you ever felt that way then. So if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a stronger gifting in, someone's, in one area, you have a tendency to feel like you're superior to maybe that person. And yet, on the flip side, if you're, if you're not as strong as somebody, then you have a tendency to feel sadness or self-pity. Isn't that sick? Oh, I'm just telling you, that's, that's weird. That, that's that's, the, that's the, the, the torment of the human condition. Self-pity is pride. Hello? Hello? Self-pity's pride. It's pride turned inside out. It's focusing on yourself. Boasting's pride. Self-pity's pride too. It's focusing on yourself and complaining why you don't have gifts like some of these. Don't compare yourself with people. The Apostle Paul said, I don't compare myself with anybody. I used to do that. I used to compare myself and just say, why can't I have a gift like T.D. Jakes? Why can't I be like... Dr. Morocco. Why can't, I, why can't I have a gift? And I just felt like the Lord said, Son, you didn't need to knock that off. Because I look at your hands. Go ahead, go ahead, look at your hands. I'll tell you what the Lord did to me. Look at your hands. Go ahead, look at them. I'm the only one with the fingerprints that I got. You're the only one with your fingerprints. They're, you're totally unique. Absolutely unique. And God makes divine originals. And if you want to walk in anointing, you've got to find who you are in God and stay there. Don't change for anybody. I mean, change the pride stuff. Get rid of that. But learn to walk in who you are. That's where your anointing is, people. You know what anointing? You know what I mean by that? It's, uh, the anointing is the supernatural enablement of God to get the job done. And sometimes we want to change to try to be like somebody. And you know what? You'll never fit in that person's shoes because that's not you. Come on, look at your hands. You're unique. You're... Some of you are like, no kidding. You need to learn to function in your own unction, not look for somebody else's. You're trying to fit in somebody else's shoes and somebody else's thing. You compare yourself. You know, it's, you'll end up in self-pity and... And, or, or pride, and it, it's, it's ugly. There's nothing wrong with holy competition, however. The Apostle Paul talks about the Philippian church and brags on their giving and then basically tells them, man, you guys can do it. They did it. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having somebody have a gift and have that gift being expressed and then through their expression of that gift or that talent, that treasure that they have, through that spurring you on, saying, man, you know what? Then God could do that through me. God could do that through me. 
I have a desire to play an instrument. I have yet to muster up the discipline to force myself to learn how to play. You got to practice, right, Heidi? Yeah. You got I me. Mean, I, I just wanted to come on me so I could just woo, just start playing. <laughs> yeah, come on, everybody! Hey, it's not happening that way for me. I mean, I try. I get behind here. It just doesn't happen. Help me out, God. Heidi, would you come to save me, please? Come on. But don't compare yourself. How do, we're talking about how to deal with pride. Last point is to live in the Spirit. Learn to, learn to live in the Spirit. Galatians talks about that. Pride is not from the Spirit of God. And if you fill yourself with the Spirit of God, fill yourself with the Word, then pride will fall. Choose to walk humbly. Walk humbly. Seek wisdom. You got to tear down these places in your mind, in your thinking strongholds. We all have pride. Every single one of us has it. Think that we know better. Deal with your pride. Otherwise, you'll end up with long hair like eagle's feathers. Long nails. And you'll snarf at the grass. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Ah, But that's what happened to good old Neb. He got leveled. Did you get something from God tonight? Stand up on your feet, won't you? Lord God. Lord. Everything's a gift, ladies and gentlemen. Everything's a gift. Don't compare yourself with other people. Commit yourself to honor others. Edify others. Listen, this week, look for somebody to tell what a great job they're doing. Come on, we all like receiving that kind of thing. Look for somebody. You look so... You look so pretty tonight. You look so handsome. You know, you want to say that to, like, your husband or your wife. I was looking at my daughter when I said it. That works, too. Men, let me give you a free, a free information. Don't be giving a bunch of compliments to women. Only fools do that. Why is that? Especially if you're married. I will say, if you're married, the only compliment that you should give a woman is to your own wife. I am. Come on, on, somebody help me out. I'm telling you, that'll help you. There was nothing wrong to say, hey, great job with the children's ministry. But you don't go and say, wow, I really love your haircut. I love your hairstyle. It just makes your face look radiant. Wrong. Don't do that. Save those things for your wife. Wives, you just talk up your husband. Men are like roosters, man. You'd be like... We just, we like knowing 
that our wives think we're all that. And I'm going to tell you, when I know that my wife's in my corner and that, and that everything's, you know, that she just thinks I'm the great, I'll charge hell with a water pistol if God calls me. She says, I don't care what anybody else says. She's with me. God's with me. Tell <laughs> how we got on that little free marriage thing for you. Lift your hands to God. Father, if there be pride, well, we all have pride, God. And we just repent. Come on, repent. Ask God to forgive you. Lord, we repent for thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And we commit. Say this to me. Say, I commit to honor others and to use my mouth to edify and to lift others up. I commit to truly love people based on 1 Corinthians 13. I will not compare myself. Everything I have is a gift from God. So I will thank and praise your name. Help me to walk humbly before you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight under the sound of my voice, and if you were to die, God forbid, today would be the last day that you would be alive. Are you going to heaven? Are your sins forgiven? Are you washed? Have you ever received Jesus? Have you repented of your sin? Ask Him to forgive you for your shortcomings, for lying, stealing, for lust, and for pride. Have you ever repented of your sin? If you have not done that, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, whether it be for the first time, then if you never hear one thing that I'm saying, hear this tonight. If you've never given your heart to Jesus for the first time, you've never even heard of that, maybe. Or maybe you have, but you realize, man, I need to... I need, to get, I need to recommit my life to Him. If that's you, those online, those here in the congregation, if that's you, want to give your heart to Jesus, not talking about joining this church or becoming a member of this church. I'm talking about saying, hey God, I'm really sorry that I lied, that I stole all these things I've done. Lord, forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart. If you want to pray that prayer seriously, want to give your heart to God, for the first time or make a recommitment all across this place people praying if that's you on the count of three slip your hand up one give your heart to God two three do it right now where are you God bless you God bless you thank you for your honesty I see that hand wave your hand high lift your hand high unashamed come on come on it's alright good amen God bless you those online alright if you're serious about it never want to embarrass anybody but if you're serious about giving your heart to Jesus, quickly come to the front right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Right on. Hey, hey. Come on, somebody. Come on. Here, just turn this way. There's others. Come on. Come on. It's all right. Come on. Come on. There's room for you if you still want to get right with God. Come. Come on. Somebody ought to give God the praise tonight. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Brian, come up here and help me, please. Let's pray this right out loud. 
We're going to pray this right out loud. And in this moment, everything you ever did wrong is going to get wiped out. Every sin forgiven. That's why it's called the gospel. Gospel means good news. I mean, everything I ever did wrong, every single thing. Wow. What a deal. Hey, that's, I know a good deal when I see one. That's a good deal, people. You mean every lie? Don't even when I took that candy bar when I was in fourth grade. Yeah, all of it. So let's pray, and then I've got some people here that are going to help you get some information from you, okay, and help you grow in God. All right? Close your eyes all across this place. Close your eyes and just pray right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus. Right out loud, say, Dear Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Now just go like this. Just a sign of surrender. It's like somebody stuck a gun at you. Go stick them up. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you want. That's what we're doing to God. Whatever you want, God. Go ahead. Tell them. Whatever you want, God. Holy Spirit, come and fill and touch these. Break every bondage, God. Break every chain. Encourage them. May they fulfill your purpose. May they fulfill your purpose in the earth. Lord, thank you for their hearts of sincerity. Bless them, God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And we're just going to take a moment with you right here. Why? Just begin to take some information from them. We're going to pray with you guys. Would you go ahead? Pray with them. Everybody else? Just talk to God. Go ahead. Lift your hands. Lord, root out pride. Tear down pride in our lives. Here's a scary prayer. Don't agree with it if you don't want to do it. Lord, if I got any pride on the inside of me, expose it and humble me. Ha <laughs> ha! In the name of Jesus. Tear it down. 
Want to be Christ-like. Don't want to have pride. Don't want to be like the devil. Don't want to be like that. Don't want to exalt myself. Lord, root out and tear down every stronghold of pride. Intellectual pride. Spiritual pride. That's a big one. Spiritual pride. Jesus, expose pride and tear down that lie. Tear down that stronghold. Tear down that idol in the name of Jesus. We thank and praise you. Amen. Take someone by the hand all across this place. Don't forget Tuesday night, Reverend Barry Haggerty going to bring the word of the Lord. You invite your friends. It's going to be off the hook worship. It's going to be great. Don't you miss Tuesday night, 7.30, ministry to the whole family. We're going south to Kasilov on Wednesday. If you want to be a part of that, there's maps and stuff out there. You can come. We're going as a church, but it's every man for himself. Kind of. And you got to bring your own food, bring your own tent, bring your own net. Chest waders. Fishing license. Dip net permit. All right. Any questions? We'll be in the back there. We can help you. You ready? Let's close in prayer. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Slap somebody five and have a great night tonight. Praise God.